Hello, welcome back to the Being Black Pod and happy Black History Month. We are kickstarting this month with Cass Foley. Cass is a lifestyle and tourism content creator based in Philadelphia. She highlights everything from dining at restaurants, local experiences, unique travel stays, health and wellness recommendations, and more. But before we get into our conversation with Cass, I want to update our listeners on things that they should know. For the entire month of February, we will be releasing weekly episodes to highlight Black creators and changemakers on Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I also want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram at the Being Black Pod to stay up to date on episodes and our guests. And then lastly, to please subscribe to or rate our podcast. Rating our podcast really helps us get figured out by other people and helps people find us. But to come back to Cassie, I'm like super excited to be talking to her because I actually found your page in the beginning of 2020. Um, and I consider myself a foodie myself. I eat out too much it's actually kind of a problem but then when I found your page I was like oh my gosh like now I have more places I can go um but it's super cool to actually like meet the person behind the content that I love so much um so to give myself and the listeners a point of reference I want to start with four initial questions so are you ready yes okay what does being black mean to you I feel like being black means that I'm unstoppable and I can do anything um I feel like it's a lot, it's a shocker for people when they find out I am black because I don't look like, I guess, your typical black person, I what most people think. So I think it's also like kind of that shocker, like, oh wait, she's black and she's doing this or, and yeah, like I can do everything that everybody else is doing and being black, I feel like just makes me even more special. And when did you actually find out that you're black or was there like ever an experience in your life that you kind of realized that, okay, I'm a little bit different from other people. So I, it's probably going to be a weirder answer than most because I feel like a lot of people probably just say, oh yeah, of course I, I've, I've always known I was black, but for me, I didn't. And it kind of came as a shock when I was probably like in second, second grade. I feel like that's probably when it was about um, when I was, so I did competitive gymnastics and one of my teammates um, asked me why I was so tan compared to everybody else. And I was the only person of color, you know, at my, at my gymnastics center. And it's not that she was being mean or rude or anything. She was like, you know, my age too, and just genuinely curious. And I guess I had just never thought about it like that. So that's when I then started asking questions and found out that I am black and I'm also Pacific Islander too, but I'm, I'm a quarter Pacific Islander, a quarter white, but I am half black. Right. Yeah, no, I had something similar. And like the very, very initial episode, I talked about how in fourth grade, um a kid said something similar a little bit more negative because he called me the n-word in fourth grade and I was like whoa (laughs) how do you know that word (laughs) we are literally like eight nine ten years old um but I feel like like most people will just kind of figure out because when you're kids you don't really you don't have to think about you know what's dividing you you just are playing outside with people um but thank you for sharing that so how was it actually growing up in your area um as you grew up did anything change So I grew up in a very, very conservative, predominantly white area. I was one of probably two people of color in my entire um, elementary school, maybe a handful more in middle school, and then a little bit more in high school, but a very conservative small town. I mean, like we have more cows than people. And it was definitely difficult growing up because once I obviously knew I was also black and I do look different. I then started picking up on when people would start to use the N-word and call me that, or teachers 
selecting me out to like answer questions because they wanted my point of view because nobody else in the color or nobody else in the room is of color or especially it became you would think it would get better as I got older like okay as more and more people of color around you you know you're getting that experience you it would get better and easier but I feel like if anything it got worse I feel mm -hmm. like it became even more apparent that people do treat me differently that you know I'm 16 and I'm getting pulled over for following too close for an, to another car or for driving too slow in um, on the highway during the pouring down rain. Like, why am I getting treated differently when my friends are like, oh, I've never been pulled over. Or um, when it was time to make, you know, cheerleading team, I was put as an alternate, yet I was, I'm not gonna sound cocky, but I was the best cheerleader that that program has had. And they, you know, made sure that then I was held back from certain opportunities. So it just became very clear. And even like, so my mom is half white and half Pacific Islander and she looks like the whitest girl on the block. And when my mom was also aware of it, she would threaten the school. She would threaten any coach, anybody that was treating me differently. And she would become aware of it too. And she'd be like, I'm taking you guys to the papers. Like I'm going to call the press about this because you clearly are treating my daughter differently. Right. And I whenever that happened and my mom would step in it would get a little bit better, but it wasn't easy. And I think that a lot of people assume like, because I didn't grow up in the hood or the projects that I didn't have struggles, but I definitely did. They might've been different, but I definitely had them, especially being such a minority. And, you know, we grew up poor, you know, my mom had me at 16, so we didn't have money. It's not like my grandparents had money either. So I grew up poor and a person of color, you know, black in a predominantly white, wealthy area. And it was, it was tough. Yeah. No, I, when you mentioned the getting pulled over by the police, I feel like I, I'm a very good driver. My dad taught me how to drive. I feel very comfortable with my ability to drive, but I would consistently be pulled over. And the one time the police officer said that my, I was making a left turn. It was a four-way intersection, but like, it was like the blinking lights. You have to stop and treat it like a stop sign. So stopped. And I actually like, I live in Philly now. So like most people in Philly don't really like stop at the stop signs, but I stopped, I stopped. Okay. Like three seconds, look both ways, whole thing made the left turn. And then a police officer pulled me over and said that my back left tire hit the middle line. I've never even heard of that. And I was so dumbfounded. Cause I was like, what? And I got really flustered. I like called my parents about it. And they're like, like Camille, you really couldn't have done anything about that. Like it's fine. And then they, of course, had to explain to me like what actually was happening, what was actually at play there. Um, so I definitely relate to that a lot. You want to assume that, of course, especially police officers, everybody out there is treating everybody equally. But until you experience it firsthand, you're like, wait. Yeah. Is this real? Like, is this really happening? Exactly. Um, but then my last question for you is what advice do you have for your younger self? I feel like to my younger self, I would like tell her that she's going to find comfort in her own skin and that she shouldn't feel so ashamed um, and that I'm going to be okay because I feel like I definitely struggled with anxiety and self-doubt and like did not have like any confidence in myself except when it came to sports because I was an athlete. So when it was time for like, you know, something for sports, I shined, but like anything besides that, like I knew I never felt comfortable being me. So I feel like I would definitely tell my younger self to like, it's going to be okay. And like, you know, you are beautiful the way you are. You might not look like anybody else around here, but you're going to find like, you know, your way. Right.
I like that so much. Um, well, I really appreciate you answering those questions. Again, it just gives me and the listeners a point of reference, you know, where you're coming from. But I really want to talk about content creating, of course. I, of course, follow you. And I think on your stories, I don't know if it was like a few weeks ago, but I do remember you were talking about how when you first started your platform, you first started, you know, re- recording, you know, restaurants and doing all that stuff, how people called you crazy. Like, what, what was the reason as to why you thought like, hey, maybe I should start doing this? Right. So obviously when the pandemic hit, um, everybody kind of like was in a hiatus. Nobody kind of knew what to do. And especially when it came to my job, like we weren't, you know, we were on short term being laid off or whatever you'd like to call it. So I had a bunch of free time and I thought, well, you know what I love to do. I'm that friend that always is finding the best restaurant to eat at. Oh, this cool Airbnb, we should go there and check it out. Um, This place looks fantastic. I'm always that person. I spend hours like researching. I don't know. I get like a weird buzz from it. I just enjoy finding it. And then Me it's too. better when I go. And then it's like just as good or even better than what I thought. So I like had this weird, just love for doing that. And I was like, you know what? Um, you know, I got to that part of the pandemic where I caved and downloaded TikTok. Everybody thought they were too good for TikTok. Then you started <laughs> scrolling and you were like, wait, this is, this is cool. And you're like, oh, wait, this, there's more to TikTok than just dancing. And when I saw that, like, there's more to TikTok than dancing, I was like, you know what, I'm going to turn my Google and my Yelp reviews and turn them into video content. But I only want to show the good about the place. So could I write bad reviews? Oh my gosh, I could, I could make videos about some terrible experiences, but I, I am much more of like a positive person. So I wanted to make sure that I'm shining positive light on these businesses, especially the smaller ones that don't get much love and like hype and recognition. Um, yeah, everybody knows about the Cheesecake Factory. You know what I mean? But nobody might know about the Cheesecake Lady. And mm-hmm. she's a fantastic small black business, mother-daughter duo. And they sell out their cheesecakes every day that they're open. And they're local. So it's like, I wanted to show that and make sure that everybody else knows the hype that I already knew about. That type right. of thing. That is so cool. Yeah, no, I get it's funny you said like a buzz, like I'm normally like the planner, like anytime that my friends want to go anywhere, like actually next month, I'm supposed to go to Houston with one of my friends for her 25th birthday. And she's like, all right, Camille, like, you know, that you're supposed to find all the restaurants and find everything we're doing. And I'm like, I already know, like, (laughs) I'm on it. You know, that's fine. Researching actually. So you don't even have to worry. (laughs) I already found like three restaurants already, right? When she said she wanted to go to Houston. I was like, oh yeah, cool. Got it. I got to find the best of the best. (laughs) Um, But your journey as a content creator, do you think being black has kind of affected, you know, your ability to create or how you're viewed as a creator? I definitely don't think I'm valued as much. Absolutely. I think I'm undermined. Um, this is probably something that's not talked about often, but so say I want to, I find like a business or a brand that I like, I'm confident that I would be a great person for them to work with. And I do some research and I realize, okay, they do work with content creators and bloggers. And I'm like, okay, so they clearly do work with them. Let me reach out to them, pitch them like all of my information, explain why I want to work with them, why I think that it'd be a value to work with me. And a lot of times they don't even, you know, pay me any mind, but I know that they do work with creators. And then sometimes I'll start to do a little bit more digging. I'm like, wait, I now notice a trend. All the creators that they work with are white women and the content creator industry, influencing industry, blogging industry, whatever you want to call it is dominated by Caucasian women, which no hate, no shade, but 
I am just aware now of how I move when I do pitch myself to brands and businesses because I send what's called a media kit and I do have a picture of myself. And I think that immediately people are not as likely to work with me. And that could also be counter, you know, counterbalance when people are looking to add diversity. And sometimes I might get an opportunity that others aren't, but I do find it frustrating when businesses, and these could be large corporations, but they're also some small local businesses, especially like some of these Rittenhouse Square, really nice, like wealthy um, restaurants or businesses in Philadelphia. They reach out to me and I'm like, oh wait, you've worked with somebody um, you know, I'd love to work with you. And they're like, you know what? No, we don't, we don't have interest. And I'm like, interesting. I see that girl work with you all the time. Why, why does she get to? Because I don't have that look. I, I don't know. So I, right. I definitely think it affects me and whether, like I said, could sometimes be a good way, but a lot of times I do see it in a negative way. Yeah. And I think one of, um, the previous episodes, I, I talked with a girl named Madison, who's also a content creator. She's a beauty content creator. And we talked about how it is so apparent that Black creators are just not paid as much. So even if you get that, you know, opportunity to work with a brand that you really like, you know, you pitch them, you send your media kit, it like works out. A lot of the money that's even offered to Black creators is just way lower than, you know, white creators or other people. And like you said, the content creating space is very much dominated by white women. Um, and I think it's unfortunate because I feel like black creators deserve just as much of a chance and like, um, we're just really creative. So I don't know. Very much so. The whole, I think it's either Vice or maybe it was Forbes that just, I think this past week put out a whole article about how black content creators are paid significantly less and also not recognized as much. I, or no, Forbes put out like the top 100 like content creators. And of course, like Addison Ray and um, right. what's Charlie D'Amelio were like at the very top and they were like saying how it's very interesting how they became famous for doing the renegade dance but the renegade dance was made by a black girl and that she had to fight to even get the recognition that she deserved and she still didn't even get it so and I believe in the whole top 100 I don't think there was a single black creator or something like that it was like something like that was very alarming that I think then Vice wrote an article following up about it because it's like hmm yeah. Like yeah, no, I definitely saw the Vice article, I think maybe on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's very fascinating. It's just sad because I feel like, like even I, like last year outside of my podcast, like I do create content and I've started working with brands and I think I'm more fortunate because like at least the black creators that I've are within my niche, you know, that I've been talking to, like have really give me advice to be like, oh, like don't take, you know, this amount of money. Like your time is worth more. Like I just bought a camera. Like now you should up your prices because like your content is more quality, things like that. But it's just unfortunate that the initial reaction and a lot of, at least on the brand side is like, you're not offering, you know, black creators as much money when we're doing the same thing. We are doing the same thing, if not working harder or better and reaching out to even more brands and businesses. And if anything, yeah, I do know like my value is, is there. And if, if, if a brand doesn't want to pay it or a business doesn't want to pay it, that's their loss. Right. But I applaud you because even like my friend and I started this food Instagram like a while ago, well, maybe a few months ago. I have to check, but we started this food place because her and I would always go out and eat places. And she was like, oh, like, like, I feel like there's no like black, con- like food 
content creators, like foodies, if you will. I was like, oh, well, there's Cassie, like Cass in the city. And she's like, okay, but like, who else? And I was like, oh, like, I only know, <laughs> I only know Cass in the city. So obviously this, this whole thing blew up for me in the pandemic. So I'm still, I feel like learning a lot, especially when it comes to going to these events, these influencer events in the area. So um, because the pandemic, there's very limited of them. But when I do go there, it is, again, dominated by white women and very, very, very few other people of color in the content creation space, especially here in Philadelphia. Josh Eats Philly is another good um, foodie page. He's a black male and he, he does fantastic food content. And it's literally like me and him in like a sea of, you know, white. So we're trying to swim. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are holding it down though. So that's yes. a positive. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Josh too. If you want to follow his page too, show some love to him. No, I definitely will after this. Thank you for giving that rec. But I want to switch up our convo really quick because I saw that you were doing 75 hard. Yes. Why? <laughs> what propelled you <laughs> to do that? So my husband pitched the idea to me like you know around the holidays and I just kind of brushed it off like okay yeah sure let me read the rules and it's no drinking for 75 days so I immediately told him no and then it's all you have to do two outdoor workouts for 45 minutes each one of them has to be outside so I was like double no outside in January no and then you have to follow a diet any diet you want but you have to pick it and stick to it you have to take a progress photo every day and you have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book every day and drink a gallon of water. So I was just like, that's absolutely crazy. When I just, you know, read the long list, I was like, that's crazy. But then the more I started getting closer to New Year's and like creating a goal for myself, I don't necessarily call them resolutions, but like goals for 2022, it is to develop better habits. Now there's a version called 75 Soft, which is a modified version of it, a little bit less intimidating. You can drink socially. You can, you only have to do one workout a day. And I was like, okay, I could do that. But I'm like, would I really though just drink socially? Because socially could mean a lot of things. Would I really then, you know, get that work? I don't know. I felt like if I'm already trying to modify it, then I wouldn't stick to it. So I was like, let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Let's see how many days I can get into. And we will finish in mid-March if we're on track. So I started January 1st. It's been tough. I'm doing intermittent fasting for my diet. So that way I can still go to a lot of these foodie places and show you good food, but I am not eating sweets right now. So no desserts. And I love, I love dessert, love dessert and no cocktails, obviously. So we're doing mocktails or I just bring friends with me that can drink and tell me, I'm like, okay, does that drink taste good? Or like, oh, does the dessert taste good? And I'm like drooling over here, like wishing I could eat it but we're sticking to it. I'm pretty dedicated because once I set my heart out to do something, I really want to do it. Like, you know, to get to that finishing, you know, mark and feel proud of myself, but also it really is developing just better habits for me. I'm up, I'm doing things that I wouldn't normally do. I feel like, I feel like there's even more time in the day, if that makes sense, because I'm so determined to get every single thing on my checklist done, that then I have other time too, in the middle of the day that like, I didn't realize I had to then delegate to other things because I'm already up earlier. I'm going to sleep a little bit later. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know, but so far so good. I'd recommend it to you. I know it sounds crazy. It does. You posted about it. And the thing is, I'd heard, I'd heard about it like a few years ago. Cause I don't know when the, yeah, I don't know who, yeah, who started it, but I remember hearing about it and I was like 75 days, like that's a really long time. Um, 
and I don't even think the the drinking because actually I'm doing dry January this month but like that part I don't know I don't think would be like as difficult but it's the it's the two workouts it's the one outdoor workout I hate being cold I hate it so much so I went in thinking the same thing that the outdoor workout would be the toughest but at first for me it ended up being the gallon of water gallon of water a lot of water to drink and then honestly sticking to the diet I thought intermittent fasting would work well for me because I kind of already do that but man some of these days where I do like I get home late maybe from like a game or something and I'm starving I can't eat because I already my windows to eat is 12 to 8 p.m so or I wake up hungry the next day and I have to get a workout in before and I'm already hungry it's been tough and the outdoor workouts it's tough when it's cold, but you just get used to bundling up. I layer, I now like have so many more hats. I feel like in scarves and gloves, I'm just bundling up. Okay. All right. So maybe, maybe I'll think about it. Cause I definitely have heard the 75 soft, which is of course, as you said, less intimidating, but I don't know. I'm definitely thinking about trying something. I think, I think the 75 hard gives more accountability than soft. It really is like, it's strict. Like you really have these rules and you can't break them. 75 soft, there's leniency to kind of make it your own. And I kind of needed that push to like, no, you got to check off all of this. And if you didn't, you need to go back to day one. And I don't want to go back to day one. (laughs) So I know that you also, again, I watch your stories a lot if you didn't pick up on that. Um, but you mentioned in one of your stories that you tend to, you know, move silently, like as it relates to like your plans, but is there anything that our listeners can really look forward to as it relates to your content that you're comfortable or willing to share? Yes. So, I mean, I really do. My favorite content to create honestly is like showing unique travel stays. Now, I'm balling on a budget here, so I can't go traveling as much as I would love to. So my bigger vision and like goal is to try to do more like local spots, like things that are in like two, three hour drives of the area that are really cool that I feel like other people should do as getaways. So I do hope to do more getaways this year. And I do hope to also drop a clothing line, not anything major, but just like a cup, like a shirt, a sweatshirt, a beanie, that type of thing, a canvas bag, which just like I've had some phrases and things pre-done up last year and then like it kind of just fell off the girl that I was originally supposed to like make them with like kind of stopped her business so but that is a vision that I really want to accomplish this year so I hope to drop a couple couple things to wear okay so listen to that because I'm gonna be the first in line to grab a t-shirt so (laughs) I'm gonna be looking out for the t-shirts I'm gonna see when you post it and I'll be the first in line okay I appreciate it but yeah that's probably like I mean, I feel like I never know what I'm doing. So who knows what I really will do this year. But I do feel like when I do find a really good thing that I want to share, I definitely don't speak about it until I go and post about it because I just don't, I don't want to drop, drop the hype yet. I want to go there, experience it, make sure it's like just as cool as I vision in my head and then put you guys on. But I'm sure there's going to be tons of great things I'm going to share, like tons. I'm looking forward to it. And I really, really appreciate you talking with me today. So we're going to round out our episode with a lightning round. So basically, I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. It's going to be basically a this or that type thing. Um, You don't have to put, you know, too much thought into it. You don't have to give an explanation. and It'll just be kind of like your first reaction. Okay. I'm nervous. (laughs) So as related to the 75 hard indoor outdoor workouts. Indoor. Instagram or TikTok? 
Oh, honestly, tick Instagram lately. Instagram. They got a lot going on with their algorithm and reels. They pay better than TikTok. I'm going to go with Instagram for this one. Okay. Uh, the Proud Family or That's a Raven? Oh, honestly, the Proud Family. <laughs> no, I like the Proud Family too. <laughs> I know. I love the Proud Family. Okay. Um, brunch or dinner? Brunch. Always. Yeah. All right. And lastly, food content or health and wellness content? food. I'm a foodie. At the end of the day, I like no workout will burn off a bad diet, but like also I really don't care. I want to eat good food. So no, definitely. I agree. (laughs) Well, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Again, this is trying not to fangirl during the episode. I'll probably do it after we finish the episode, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Um, it's really cool to be able to see some of myself in you as a creator, um, as I, you know, start building my own platforms and just like moving through life. It's super cool to be able to see you doing what you're doing and doing it, you know, confidently. Um, again, I really like your stories, how you talk confidently about, you know, whether it's discrimination that you won't put up with, or just like the realities behind being a content creator and just like things that you have to deal with on a regular basis. So as someone that loves your content, I really appreciate it. Um, as for our listeners, I appreciate you tuning in today. Again, please follow Cass in the City. I will put her Instagram and socials down in the description box and tune in next week for another Being Black episode. Thank Bye. You. Bye.